the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Evan Knight, and today on the show we've got a very special guest. It is Mr. Slade Hocking, who is the star of The Deal. Give him a hand. Hey, Slade, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me back, Ed. And Andrew's got a wee family emergency that he's had to run off today, so it's just me and Slade here. And what we wanted to do is recap the most recent episode of The Deal. This is the one with Simon Taylor who came on the show. Actually, it wasn't the most recent one because we've also just on last Wednesday released the episode with Edgar from Foxton. But this is the last one that we hadn't talked about. And there were some interesting things in the episode with Simon. These were the dual key apartments that got pitched that I just want to go a bit more into detail on and get some more details around what Slade was thinking when he was asking, not what, what was Slade thinking, but you know what was going through his mind when we were asking specific questions with Simon Taylor. But just before we get into that, Slade, recap for us, what was Simon pitching and, and what was kind of different about it? Yeah, so we had Simon Taylor come in from Safari Group who do an awesome product and they've been around for a very long time. But what, what's different about this product, Ed, is it was a dual key. So for people out there who don't know what a dual key is, it's basically two apartments in one. You have the same entrance and then you share off to a studio apartment and then a one-bedroom apartment. What's great about this is cash flow, lots and lots of cash flow. So what Simon presented to us was something pretty special. I think everyone's going to be in for a treat. So I think price started at around 930k. These were based in Ellerslie in Auckland. And the total rent, about $1,000 based on the current market. But of course, there's about a two-year construction period within these properties. And so in two years' time, you might expect that rent to be about 6% to 8% higher than it is today which will make it reasonably attractive in terms of cash flow. Now, you might ask me, well, why is it, Ed, that if I buy a dual key, I'll get more rent than if I just buy a two-bedroom apartment? I mean, it's the same number of bedrooms and the floor area is roughly the same. What's different about it? And the thing I guess what is different is that you're able to rent to two separate tenants. So if you go out and you look at, well, what does a one-bedroom apartment rent for? Look, in this case, I think it was about $500 a week, $550. Now, if you rent a two-bedroom apartment, generally you might rent it out for $650. So the additional rent you get from tacking on the extra bedroom isn't that much. But because you can take the same amount of space, take the extra bedroom, add on an extra bathroom, very, very small kitchen. So now it's a studio. You could rent that out to someone else. So you can rent to two single people who are potentially earning quite good incomes and earn much, much more rent. And so that's the thing that's attractive about something like a dual care apartment. A little bit of extra cost in some instances because you've got two small kitchens rather than one. You've got two bathrooms where, you know, in some cases you might just have one bathroom but a slightly larger lounge area, but you're able to get more rent because they're separate tenancies. And that's really the key thing that I wanted to point out. Now, what was interesting, Slade, was some of this, I don't want to call them strange, but use cases that I hadn't thought about with dual keys. What did someone take us through? So what I found was quite interesting was a family looking to put their elderly mother next door. That was quite interesting. I love my mother dearly and it was her 70th birthday on Monday. That's not that old. It's not old, but I don't know if I'd want to live next door to her, especially divided by a wall. That was quite interesting. Multi-generational families. So we have maybe mum and dad living on one side and the other mum and dad living on the other side and also uh, smelly kids. Putting your teenagers next door, giving them a little bit of freedom, a bit of space. Uh, well, you can also have the freedom and space as well. So it's not just... 
purely investor focused, there were a lot of different scenarios there which catered to a wide pool of buyers. And one other thing that really I hadn't thought of before was the idea of an elderly person purchasing one of these and and paying it all off and deciding to live in one of the units and then putting her nurse in the next one so that Mm. when she would be incapable of looking after herself, she could move somebody in but still retain some of that privacy. I guess this is an alternative to going into a rest home. And so it made me think maybe there are some more use cases for dual keys than we'd previously thought about. I'd like to be the nurse in that situation, having a wee studio apartment to myself. Well, yeah, That'd but then you've nice. got to, I mean, yes, it would be paid for you, but the downside of that is that you're only living in a studio apartment. Now, some people are more than happy making that trade-off, of course, because they're like, hey, look, I'm willing to live in a studio apartment because the rent is cheaper. But Good location know, as well. Well, it is pretty good. Yep. Other thing that I want to get your opinion on was these three different types of products that Safari had and we talked about. Now, this did not get a lot of airtime on the show, but just walk us through what those kind of three options that they've built for people are. It was really interesting. It was a, it was a very large project, 180 rooms, was it, Ed? Yeah, total units, yeah. 180. Big scale development. So we have, we've got the hotel side, which we all know, so a hotel unit that is leased to the hotel. Then we've got the visitor accommodation. Now this is a a dual key with the management right for the hotel to have a standard apartment that the hotel fills for you. But there were some caveats on this. It could only be max of six months and a hotel actually takes a cut there, 40% of the profits and you get to take 60%. And then you have the standard tenancy, standard one bedroom apartment or the dual keys. Now what I found quite interesting about this, Ed, is that the hotel will help you rent these out. Obviously, they take the cut, but it, it takes a little bit of pain out of the process. If you're that way inclined, they'll do everything for you. They'll do the, the cleaning up. They will take a fee, but it's quite a nice alternative where you can get a short-term tenant up to six months who, you know, be in there, no problems, and away you go. And I think to your point, Slade, you probably will get more rent if you go down that visitor accommodation route. You're certainly going to have some vacancy. You're not going to have a person renting it out all the time. So your cash flow may be a bit lumpy. But ballpark, you'd probably get more money putting it through visitor accommodation than renting it out. Mm. Issue for people listening to the show who may want to do that is servicing would become more of an issue if you disclosed to the bank that that was your plan to do that because the income that you're going to get is not going to be as steady as the income that you are naturally going to get if you're renting out to a long-term tenant. And because of that, they are likely to test that differently, probably on a case-by-case basis. I don't know the exact details of that, but that is one thing that you've just got to think about as well. It's the same if you could decide you're going to purchase a property and rent it out as an Airbnb. Look, your income's going to be higher, but also the way that the bank tests it is also going to be more difficult because that income is not going to be stable. One way to get around that, If you don't have to disclose that, you can always just say that you're going to put it through as a standard and then decide you're going to change your mind later once it's actually built, as long as you had the ability to do that. But what was really interesting, I guess, was that there is this kind of other product out there, because I remember you and Andrew were asking on the show about Airbnbs, could you do that? And I think there was something within the body corporate, which meant you weren't able to do that. But there is this option where the hotel goes ahead and does that. Yeah, it's kind of a long-term Airbnb. And what we've seen down here in Christchurch is similar dual-key properties here. Managements rent them out to businesses who send people down to Christchurch and, and might need a residence for four to six months. And they're getting some really good returns there because the business is happy to pay a premium for this product. So 
Yeah, the visitor accommodation is a, is a really viable option for people here. Now, anything on the show, though, that when you're listening to Simon, that raised a couple of alarm bells for you with these? I thought he was a little bit too nice. <laughs> and and people, who are, people who are too nice, I get a little bit suspicious of. I think um, you're too nice sometimes. Were you suspicious of me? No, not really. <laughs> With this one, there, there were a couple of things. Now, I don't want to be a bit of a spoiler alert. Go, go for it, um, go for it. Where the, the safari group decides to retain a few units. And I questioned him whether he was retaining the good units or the bad units. And he said, yeah, no, we, we take the odd ones, you know, some of the corner ones, which are a bit of a funny shape. And then he slid in there, I've actually taken the two penthouse ones too. It was the four penthouse the four ones. Hens, yeah, and that, they don't sound like odd units to me. So... I don't know if, if Simon's planning a little bit of a party up there and wants to own the whole top floor. There's a bit of a question, though. We didn't dive too deep on. And just walk us through for everybody, Leslie, like what's your thinking there around raising this as a potential concern? For me, I think it's great. I come from a background of being an investor where I, I build to retain. When you develop, you get rich, but when you hold, you become wealthy. And I think they're keeping this model, which is really great, albeit on a very large scale. They're building these very large hotels and they're retaining some of the units. So then they can look back and go, great, we've got awesome units, four penthouse units, in fact. And I guess is the concern there that if you're going to be renting these out on the open market, everything comes to market at the same time, that you're going to be competing potentially against a better quality unit. So there are four penthouse dual keys available on the top floor of this brand new apartment complex and your one is four levels down or three levels down and you're trying to compete for tenants at the same time. And I suppose what you're saying is, well, the issue is that you didn't have the ability to go for the top penthouse corner units. Mm, I think looking at it from an investment point of view, it probably makes sense not to go for the top penthouse ones. They would most probably be at a premium and the cash flow probably wouldn't stack up as much as these potentially. So what's your issue? It was just too nice. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, a couple of things I want to pick up on Safari Group as well. That's quite interesting. Two main things that I want to point out. First of all, like, he was very professional. And he the interesting great. thing that was different uh, about Safari is like, to be fair, if you watch the episode, and I definitely recommend you should, you will notice there is something different about the way that Simon presented compared to I'm going to say every other developer that we had on the show because the, everybody else was pitching things that were residential townhouses or residential standalone houses around the country. And this isn't to knock any of the developers who came on, but there was a difference in how they came across and how they were able to answer the questions. And I think it's just because the likes of Safari is much more commercial in nature. And Simon, you know, I talked to him off here and it was the first time I'd met him actually, hell of a nice guy. You know, but he'd been doing big, big projects over in Canada, big development projects for a while. And so for this, it's just so professional. They've got their own construction team in-house that they are managing. And so they are able to build big hotels, 12 stories, and having three of these projects at a time running around New Zealand. And they've kind of got it down because they've done it for a long time. And I think all credit to them. What I really liked was they only do three at a time. They don't try and get too big for themselves. So there is a bit of quality control there. They know their limits. And also what I really liked is it's a great family business. And you can tell when Simon was presenting, he was very proud of the group and very proud of his product. And so he should be. 
Now, the other thing that's interesting about these, and this is for anybody who's listening from overseas and perhaps isn't a Kiwi or an Australian citizen, is that because they are developing properties that are more commercial in nature, and we didn't get into this on the show, but they do not necessarily, or some of these units do not fall under the Overseas Investment Act. What does that mean? It means that you can be any nationality and you could still purchase these, of course, at the moment. If you want to buy a house in New Zealand, you've got to be a New Zealand citizen, a New Zealand resident, or you've got to be an Australian citizen or Singaporean national. There are a couple of others, but those are the main things. If you want to buy anything in New Zealand, be one of those, you can do it. If you're something else, if you're a Colombian citizen and you're living over in Colombia at the moment, you're not able to buy just any house here in New Zealand. But because they're hotel units and they're a commercial product, and albeit Simon was pitching the dual keys, but those hotel units... They do not come under the Overseas Investment Act, and so you are able to purchase those. And if Safari Group wanted to, we didn't dig into this, but because they're building a block of more than 20 apartments, they would be able to apply for an exemption where anybody would be able to purchase some of these apartments, so wherever you are. And that's what also makes it a bit different from a townhouse or a standalone property, and that they're a bit more open to other people. And it was quite interesting. Here's, here's a little story which probably won't change your investment strategy, but it's interesting nonetheless. He was saying that one of the issues they have at Safari Group is that they're selling apartments and people will put down a deposit and they might be very high net worth individuals from overseas and they put down their cash deposit, they pay it in cash. And then in bad times overseas when there are, and I think this was in 08 during, during the financial crisis, people just wouldn't settle them. They'd just leave the deposit and say, well, I'm going to walk away from it. I've paid my 10 or 20% deposit. I've bought five hotel units and put myself down. But when push comes to shove, no, I'm not going to settle on it. I'm just going to walk away and I can do that because I live overseas and I've lost a bit of money, but I've got enough cash that it's sort of not a lot of consequence to me. And so it's just interesting that this is a different way to invest in residential real estate. And some of it, albeit it's not residential, but certainly visitor accommodation here in New Zealand. Yeah. And actually, there was one other thing that I know you picked up that your ears pricked up on slate. What was that? It's to do with cash flow again. So what I really liked about this is when you pay your deposit, so you, you, you look at the property and you think, great, I'm going to confirm on this. You pay 10% deposit. Settlement may take two years. So what they've done is you get 2% interest on your deposit you pay. So you're actually making money on your deposit. And that just shows you the integrity of this company. I don't know anyone else out there who's doing that. Do you, Ed? Um, no, no. Usually what would happen is that you take that money, put it into a solicitor's trust account, and then that will earn interest but the interest is usually paid to the developer on settlement. And that's because they don't have access to the funds. You've paid your deposit. It's it's pretty usual. One thing I'd say, though, say I don't think that comes down to integrity. I think they've done that because 2% is probably not a, of a lot of consequence to them. And Safari really has pitched themselves as an investment-focused developer. And it's probably just a wee sweetener in order to get people to you know sign up for them. I think it boils back down to that he's a really nice guy. He's like, I'm going to do this. No, I don't think that at all. <laughs> I think it's a hard-nosed commercial decision to try and get more sales. But we can, we can agree to disagree on that. Now, if you haven't watched this episode of The Deal yet, I'd highly recommend going to go and check it out. It is thedeal.co, and there is another one there. Standalone houses being pitched from a guy called Edgar Caballero from Foxton. These properties are. We might have to get you back on the show to talk about those ones as well because they are an interesting set of properties. Yeah, I actually know where Foxton is now. <laughs> Let's wrap it up there. But please don't forget to rate 
review and subscribe to the podcast. Really does help us get the message out to more people. And make sure you check out the episode at thedeal.co. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Edward Knight. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics, and insights to help you get the most out of your property market. Until next time. Bye.